Welcome to episode 32 of the Ministry at Scale podcast, where we share tips and trends from industry leaders to help you multiply digital impact. I'm your host, Chad Williams, and today we're going to hear from the number three Christian website in the world on how they use Google to grow their traffic. We want a wall of truth on the internet. We want got questions generally does really, really well in the search engine results. Some of our other sites do as well for different types of search terms. But if we have the number one spot, but if the other nine results on page one of Google are all from bad sites, eh, that's really, really not good. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams, and today I'm super excited to introduce to you my friend, Shay Hoodman. Shay is a founder and CEO of the apologetics website, Got Questions. Got Questions is one of the most visited Christian websites in the world. They've answered over 650,000 questions about the Bible since they started back in 2002, and they touch literally millions of people every year. So Shay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chad. It's great to be on the show. Well, well, first, I, I, I want to give a, a brief disclaimer. We at 5Q have had the privilege of working with Shay and got questions over the years from website redesigns to Alexa skills to Journey, and we just continue to be encouraged to just to see how God has blessed your ministry for the impact over the, over the, over, over all the years since you've been, since you've been going. Mm -hmm. uh, but I got to ask the first question out of the gate. I'm sure you get to ask this all the time. Where did you come up with the name Got Questions? So for those of you who were um, alive and watching TV commercials in 2001, 2002, that was when the whole Got Milk craze was out there. And these TV commercials trying to encourage people to drink more milk. And then from there it spread. And so it was Got This, Got That. And so we were just looking for a um, domain name, essentially, that would communicate what we do. We're here for people who got questions. But then also something, um, I mean, if we went with JesusIsTheAnswer.com or something that was explicitly Christian, we didn't want the name of the ministry or the website to um, discourage people who may were maybe were just seekers. Um, mm -hmm. Interesting way to say, but didn't want like a in-your-face Christian response. So we went with GotQuestions.org just for that simple reason. It was popular at the time. And um, if I had to do it over again, I might go with something different. But at this point, it's 20 years of history. And it, again, it communicates what we do and um, doesn't seem to scare people away. So I, I guess that's that's the explanation of where we came up with that. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a brilliant name. First of all, if you've never, if you're listening to this and you've never seen those commercials back from uh, late '90s, 2000s, about just just Google got milk, uh, got got milk commercials, and uh, you'll be in you'll be in for a good laugh. Um, but I don't know how many people I've talked with when I mentioned, oh, are you familiar with the apologetics website? Got questions? Like, oh yeah, I love love their work. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so that name got questions just from a brand perspective. It's unique and it sticks, it sticks with people. So uh, it, it, um, it for sure does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just, just talk us through, can you just share with us the story of how God has, uh, how, how God led you to start got questions? Sure. So I'll kind of give you the long story, short version of it. Um, 
went to Bible college and seminary and the whole time, I don't know, it just didn't really feel a clear calling from God into any of the quote unquote traditional forms of ministry. I'm a much better writer than I am a public speaker. I joke that I don't like teenagers, so that eliminates youth ministry, um, have no musical skill whatsoever. So there goes worship leading. So most of the stuff that takes place in the church didn't seem like a great fit for me. But um, I graduated from seminary with the graduate with the degree in theology. I was looking like, Lord, other than serving in my local church, um, what do you have for me? What did you intend for all the training I went through? And my wife, Melissa, and I were just praying like, Lord, what would be the perfect ministry fit? And um, so late um, 2001, early 2002, um, most people had internet in their homes. High-speed internet was becoming more common. So you could actually do something worthwhile on the internet without having to wait an hour for something to download. Um, so we came up with the idea, why don't we create a Christian website where people could just come ask any spiritually related question, anything about God, Jesus, the Bible, salvation, um, and that we would just provide an answer. But in all reality, we never thought this was going to be anything other than a hobby. It's just something cool we do in addition to whatever real ministry God calls us to. Well, little did we know, got questions that are, was the real ministry he was calling us to? So the last and nearly 20 years at this point are the crazy ride of watching God take what we thought would be a hobby and just exploding it into hmm. something far beyond anything we could have ever imagined it would be. Hmm. So you, you got started you, and that's what you still do today is you invite people to ask questions about the Bible. Is that right? And it is. Post um, those answers online. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk to, talk to us about that. Originally, it was a one-page website with a form where people could ask a, a question about the Bible. And then we start seeing, okay, we're getting the same questions over and over and over again. Oh, why don't we start putting some of the FAQs mm. on the website? And really, once we started doing that, um, and by sheer accident or divine sovereignty, I guess we're doing um, good SEO back when there were multiple search engines. Um it just started to work. We started getting more and more traffic to the website. So more and more questions. So like, when in the world are we going to do? So start talking to people. I went to Bible college and seminary with, Hey, here's this cool thing we're doing. Do you want to join in? So start adding volunteers. And hmm. um, the first time someone asked us, Hey, um, you guys have answered like a hundred questions that I've had like my whole life really explained to me in a way I can understand. I like to make a donation. Are you guys tax deductible? Hmm. And I'm looking at my wife, like, um, someone wants to give us money for this cool little hobby that we're doing. So that was kind of the first, I guess, divine wake up call that, you know, this might be something bigger than we thought. So um, about two and a half years in um, the ministry had grown to the point that it could hire me as a full-time employee. Um, and then it's when we moved from Kansas city to Colorado and yeah, once I could really dedicate myself to it full-time, writing articles, publishing articles, building up the website more and more, starting to do translations. Um, it just it continued to explode to the point where it's now, as far as we know, it's, I think the third most frequently visited Christian website in the world mm. with the averaging wow. a little over 12 million visitors per month. Wow. Wow. That is a, uh, that's amazing. Who would have thought back in 2001, 2002, that uh, you'd be having that kind of impact? Not us, that's for sure. So, so 
have, have, have you been the one, Shay, that has answered all those questions or oh. do you have a team? Uh, well, please no. So yeah, you mentioned earlier over 650,000 questions. Like, no, I mean, I've seen most of those, but no, thankfully um, as the ministry's grown and impact has also grown and funding to the point that we, we now have 10 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the 10 employees, we also have, um, I think around 225 volunteers who help us answer all the questions we receive. So when someone submits a question, we'll either answer it using an article that we have already or assign it to one of our volunteers who then answers the question, sends it back to us, to our database, and then one of our employees reviews it before it's sent on to the person who asked the question. But averaging between 100 and 150 questions a day that are submitted to us, but far, far more people actually find their answers on the website in the FAQs and actually submit questions to us. And you think 150 questions a day submitted approximately between three and 400,000 people a day are reading an article on the website. So just to give you kind of the scope of the difference of how people are finding the answers. So 450,000 people a day finding answers with a staff of just 10 people. That is, uh, that, that's fantastic. So, so it's one thing to talk about, you know, 450,000 people impacted plus 100 questions or, or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, behind that screen are individuals, they're people. And can you just share one story of, of a life that's been impacted through, through your ministry? Sure. So um, one of my favorites, and it happened very early on in the ministry, um, someone submitted the question to us, essentially it was, um, do pets go to heaven? And honestly, at the time, I'd never even thought of this, the question before. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I, I love pets. I've had either dogs or cats most of my life, but I don't even, even know if I ever wanted to spend eternity with them. So it's not something I ever um, you don't thought about kids, much. You don't have access to, or interaction with my, many kids, because that's a question my kids ask have asked before yes. in the past. And so. trust me, we've received that question many, many, many times over the years now. But so we, um, I actually typed a response. Um, the Bible doesn't directly address it, but it gives some principles and some things. And um, she actually wrote back and said, like, thank you so much for answering this question. Um, I submitted my question to several different ministries and you were the only one who actually responded. And um, I just had a beloved cat that I've had for like 24 years and died and I was devastated. And um, your answer, one, gave me some hope that maybe my cat might be with me in heaven, but even if it's not, um, my enjoyment of heaven will not be in any way diminished. And on that note, um, because you answered this question, I came back to your website and um, started reading some other articles. And I read one about what it means to accept Christ as a personal savior. And I, I'd kind of thought I was a Christian, but wasn't sure. But after reading your article, I now think I really understand what it means to accept Christ as savior. And I put my faith in him and now want to live the rest of my life for him. So by answering ultimately, it's not that super important a question in the scheme of eternity by taking the care to give a compassionate and biblical response to that. She came back and apparently had the ultimate, the most important question answered. So this is a cool little story, but it's also a reminder to us that no matter how some questions that can be inane or insignificant to us, Mm -hmm. to other people, they can be a very important question. So we try to take every question seriously and to treat every person um, with respect because who knows where they are in their, in their journey, either with Christ or towards Christ. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's neat to see how a- answering one question with kindness, compassion, and still being biblical can lead to a person's um, ultimate choosing to follow Christ for ultimate, her ultimate eternity, um, mm-hmm. being able to spend. That's a, that's a, that's a great, that's a great story, Shay. So what is the answer? Is, is my dog going to be in heaven when I get up there? So I kind of gave you a, a teaser of it. Um, ultimately, no, no matter what God's decision is on this issue, um, we're going to be perfectly happy in heaven. Um, the Bible speaks about there being animals um, on the, the new earth. So in eternity, there will be creatures other than human beings. So it's surely possible that some of those animals are our beloved pets brought back to life. Um, but again, the Bible doesn't specifically address the question. So the um, best you can say is maybe. Uh, some people would answer it hopefully. Um, looking back, I, we have a German shepherd now, and I, I, I love that dog. And I think it's maybe the first one I would like to have with me for eternity. <laughs> but again, my trust is in God. And just reading the description of heaven in Revelation chapters 21 and 22 is if the animals who are on the new earth are not our pets brought back to life, it's not going to hinder our ability to yeah. worship God and to enjoy his amazing creation for eternity. So that's kind of a non-answer, but again, it's not an answer the Bible explicitly gives. So the best we can do is like maybe a biblically informed speculation. There you go, folks. As soon as your 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 kids ask you that question, um, now you know where to go to find the answer. Just go to yes. gotquestions. Also, there's an answer on gqkids.org that is maybe a little more kid-friendly. Sweet, sweet. So you have, so gotquestions.org is one of your sites, but you also Mm -hmm. have a suite of sites. Talk a little bit about those and how those came about. Sure. So um, as we just look at the ministry that God has called us to of providing biblically-based answers to spiritual-related questions, we're recognizing there's more than one type of audience out there. So I mentioned gqkids.org, which is Essentially, it's targeted towards about the third grade, that age level, eight around eight years old, just taking some of the answers that we give for adults and okay, how do we answer this in a way that a, a child can understand? And one of the most interesting things about GQ Kids is we found a lot of parents and Sunday school teachers will use the site as, as a resource. How do I answer this question for a kid? So that kind of unintended, but a pretty cool use of the site as well. Also have um, 412teens.org, which is our site for teenagers. It's really answering some of the questions that are really on their hearts and minds in a way that's more um, a- applicable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, our newest site, um, bibleref.com, is a verse-by-verse Bible commentary on the entire Bible. And it's really taken off um, approaching 5 million visitors a month on that wow. site. So. Um, it started off as the little brother to Got Questions Org. Someday might pass Got Questions Org. But you look at it, if there, we want a page on every verse of the Bible, that's 31,170 something pages. So um, we're about um, approaching a third of the way done. It's already getting a huge amount of traffic. So the idea, the concept is a Bible commentary that people can understand. Um, try to take some of the complicated issues, even a little Greek and Hebrew here and there, but then explaining things in ways that um, someone who doesn't have that education can understand and apply to their lives. Um, we've got compellingtruth.org, which is kind of a little more apologetics and worldview focused than got questions. And then um, 
gotquestions.blog, which is primarily just me kind of, let's dig a little deeper into some of these issues, but from a more personal and practical perspective. So those are our main ones. Um, obviously we've got the apps for Android and iPhone. Um, we've got a podcast we launched earlier this year. Um, got a pretty vibrant social media outreach, but no, those, the, the sites are really our focus um, and using the, using the search engines to help people to, as they're Googling things to find solid biblically-based content. That's the, the core of our ministry. No, that's great. I, I was familiar with Bible Ref, but I hadn't um, realized it was getting that much, that much traffic. I know my default place when I'm teaching Sunday school, wherever is Blue Letter Bible, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll have to great add, yeah, yeah, I'll have to add the Bible Ref to to places of resources. Mm-hmm. So, so you mentioned Google, mm-hmm. and you, you, I mean, you've done an amazing job of tacking or attacking that, uh, re- receiving that organic search traffic from Google. And back in the day, I, you referenced earlier, I remember some of those AltaVista, Lycos, uh, all, mm-hmm. all those different ones back in the day. Just talk us through either your approach, your mindset, your process, uh, but, but how have you done so well in, in getting such good rankings in Google? So sure. So I mentioned earlier that um, at the very beginning, we were doing SEO by accident. Mm-hmm. And obviously now we look back and think God was guiding us in how to build the website, but we had no clue what we were doing. And thankfully over the years, God has brought some SEO experts across our path who's fine-tuned us, helps to do any better, even better. So essentially we view the search engines as our mission field. We want, mm-hmm. if anyone's searching for something spiritually related, we want them to find solid biblically-based content rather than contents from, from cults, from churches that are not teaching the Bible, that um, mm-hmm. groups that are even other religions that are trying to lead people astray. So that's really our goal. And so every article we write for the website, we do it with SEO in mind. And um, we, Google, thankfully, gives a lot of um, instructions on how to do SEO in ways that won't get you penalized. So avoiding all the, the black hat techniques and just focusing on, no, here are the things Google tells you to do that will, should result in good rankings. So doing all of those completely above the board, um, looking at future trends and Google releases, hey, sometime in the future, we're going to take how fast your site runs into a fa- into part of the equation. So then, okay, we hire 5Q to, how do you make our site as fast as possible so we can get the highest score on all of these Google ratings and then start seeing positive results from that. But it still ultimately comes down to the content and one, knowing how are people searching for a particular topic? And then two, let's write the article on that topic that includes the relevant search phrase or what the person is typing in to try to find that content. And just quality writing with quality SEO and quality website design, those are kind of maybe the three pegs of the process. And, um, and it's, not a, it's not a big secret. Don't need to hire... Um, SEO experts who are going to charge you ungodly amounts of money, basically write good content, build a Mm -hmm. responsive website that works well and um, know what people are searching for and then writing on those topics. Those are essentially what we do. Well, I love what you said about every article that you write, you have SEO in mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, that for, for organizations that have been around a long time that 
have maybe used to being writing for non-digital uh, means, whether it's magazines or um, sermons, those kinds of things, that's a, that's, that's a different mindset. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you go about doing that? Do you train your writers to have SEO in mind, like to have a list of keywords that they're targeting? Or do you have a process where the writers write it and then it goes to an SEO or your SEO person to pull out the keywords or how, how do you approach that part of it? Sure. So um, we have several really, really good writers and some of them have experience in writing with for SEO. Others are really, really good writers. So it just takes a little bit of guidance. Okay. So if we're writing an article on uh, lack of a better, do pets go to heaven? So we'll go ahead and use that. Well, when you're writing the article, you need to have the actual words, pets and heaven in, in the article, but you can switching to, if say, if you use the word animals throughout the article, never actually mm. talk about pets. Well, people who search for do pets go to heaven, that your article is not going to come up. And mm -hmm. it's if a, a thousand people a month search for do pets go to heaven and only 20 search for do animals go to heaven. Well, obviously you should write the article for do pets go to heaven. So it's so kind of knowing some of those things and then um, training the writers so that they do a good job at the start. And then going to have an, have an editor who understands SEO and making sure our instructions were followed. And then before it's proofed, I generally read it one, because I'm just interested in seeing what they have to say, but then also kind of a, the last set of eyes, making sure, okay, does this one answer the question in the way we think it needs to be answered, but then also is it good SEO writing mm -hmm. without being overly SEO? You don't want to write it so much with SEO in mind that it becomes someone's reading it. It's like, why it's this article is, doesn't sound right. Cause you run across an occasional site where, oh, it's clearly they're writing for SEO, but they're losing their audience by yeah. focusing on it too much. Yeah. 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 I think we've all been to those sites and uh, I mean, you want to write for SEO without being obvious that you're writing for SEO. Exactly. When you're reading it. And I, you know, I would credit Google. They've done a good job of helping really wanting to keep the focus on the end user. Like how, how is your content really meeting the needs of the end user? Is your site structured? So it meets the end of the needs of the end user. So yeah. even some of the things that they're rolling out recently around core web vitals, we actually did a podcast a few weeks back on core web vitals, helping folks understand some of those changes that, that Google's coming down the pike. So, so what are some of the things that you've done to help prepare for those changes that we know are coming from, from Google? Or actually, I think been rolled out. Well, yeah. By the time you'll your audience will listen to this, they'll have already been. Uh, if Google is true to their word, it'll have already been taking place and starting implementing some of those things. Oh, exactly. So, I mean, sometime last year, Google announced that okay, we're going to start taking um, page speed and Core Web Vitals into account even more than they were in the past. So, okay, well, what's how how is Got Questions doing in Core Web Vitals? And oh, we're we're in the so they had it scored with red means bad, yellow means that's where the vast majority of sites were. And then green is where you need to be in order to get whatever bonus Google is referring to. And most of Got Questions content on all of our sites was in the upper yellow categories. Okay, so what do we need to do to bump ourselves into green? And we tried doing a bunch of tweaks ourselves, but ultimately came, you know, this site was designed a few years ago. We really need a fresh design that's designed for this stuff. Um, we want, we want to be ready. And so 
don't look at like the core web vitals or any one ranking factor as the end all be all. Like, okay, if I do this one thing, I'll get good rankings. No, you need to do everything that Google's talking about. But whenever Google specifically says, hey, I'm letting let you all know this is going to be a factor. Well, that's a clear sign. Even if they say it's not going to be a major factor, if they're at least saying it's going to be a factor, that's something you need to take into account. So yeah, um, I mean, um, plug here for 5Q. I mean, we hired you guys to do our latest redesign for us. And now um, we are, um, I think the last I saw Google ranks 99.8 of our page, percent of our pages as um, perfect score and the core web vitals and page speed and all those things. So all that to say, um, we're scoring high on yet another factor. So hopefully in the, I mean, the ranking algorithm change that came out in early June seems to have been positive for us. And another one or completing that one should happen sometime in July. So we're looking good for that, but um, who knows what else Google might change and cause us to have to adjust and adapt further. But no, it's kind of like if there's a 10 point checklist, here are the things you need to do. Well, do all 10 so that no matter what Google is focusing on, you'll already be there and be prepared for it. Yeah. So I've heard you talk a lot about link strategy and the way you structure your site. And I know you pay also very careful attention on how the, uh, uh, you know, you're a flat, your site is all flat file structured. So it's super fast. Um, another element that you used to hear a lot about, you don't hear it as much anymore is, is like link building and getting quality links back to your site. Do you spend any, any time in that arena? Very little. Um, one advantage of having been around for 20 years is there's already a lot of sites out there that are aware of us and link to us. So mm -hmm. we have a very good link profile. I mean, occasionally we'll um, do a little bit of that, but I mean, any, any site manager knows that the number of requests for links that they will receive as soon as they put up a links page um, can be overwhelming. And so we actually discontinued our links page uh, five, six years ago, just because so many people, hey, put me on your link page, put, and we don't have the time to review all these sites. And even yeah. if we approve them now, how do we know in the future that they're not going to change? So link building is hard. Google frowns upon paid link building. Like mm -hmm. They don't want you going on there and paying a bunch of sites and paying to be listed in all the different directories. So uh, we prefer to let it happen naturally. And thankfully, again, with 20 years of history, we've got us a tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people linking to us already. So it kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's helpful. That's really an example of how trends have changed over the years. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the trends either that you have seen, significant trends that you've seen change that you've had to change the way that you do things? And this is a two-part question. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in the future that a ministry, specifically a digitally based ministry, should be taking paying attention to? Exactly. You mentioned one. I mean, link building, and I'm not saying it's not important. I mean, if a brand new site launches, I mean, getting a bunch of people to link to you, again, naturally, um, it can be super important in getting you better listings, rankings in Google faster. Um, back when we first launched, maybe. Five years in, I mean, the meta keywords and meta descriptions is mm -hmm. what you put in the code to say, list this page for these things um, was huge, hugely important. I mean, everyone mm -hmm. was putting every keyword phrase they can possibly imagine into their meta tags. And um, Google eventually went away with that. And 
most SEO experts now say it's not a factor like at all. I mean, it's not even looked at by the search engine spiders anymore. So that's something major that's changed. Um, yeah, links, um, meta tags, um, the importance of having um, like keyword stuffing in a sense, like having your, at one point, you just put your keyword phrase. So again, the do pets go to heaven and you could put like a little alt tag on every image, do pets go to heaven and stuff it in this place or put it here and put it in the footer and the header and everywhere. And at one point that would work, but eventually Google is like, no, that's, that's considered black hat. Don't do that. And so that doesn't work anymore. So this, thankfully Google seems to be going towards um, do what's natural. Yeah. I mean, write yeah. your content for an actual human design your website. So it's good for humans to use, easy to use, works well, works fast. And that's the stuff that we seem to be rewarding now more so than the stuff that can be more artificial or even cheating to a certain extent. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's good. That's helpful. What about on a broader scale, like beyond SEO, beyond the search engines, what about just general ministry, digital ministry trends mm-hmm. that, uh, that you're seeing? What are some of the things that you guys are thinking about and preparing for and so that you're, you're not taken by surprise in the, in the next generation? Sure. Um, YouTube is the um, number two search engine in the world mm-hmm. after Google. So more people go to YouTube and search for things than, than Yahoo, than Bing, than um, DuckDuckGo, than to whatever other um, minor search engines there are out there. So video content is huge. So Got Questions has been for the last several years really focused on expanding that. We're, they have over 500 videos now, mm-hmm. starting to get um, a good amount of viewership on YouTube. And that's just um, hugely important, um, especially younger people enjoy having the content delivered them to them via video rather than reading. So it's like, okay, this is another venue, another opportunity for us to provide biblical answers. Let's jump on that. But at the same time, it's kind of daunting thinking, okay, we're approaching 8,000 articles in English and we've got 500 videos. So that, okay, 7,500 more to go. Um, Social media is something that has been around for a while, but um, continues to be important. I mean, got the big ones of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. And then there's always the new hot one that pops up and that everyone's using it. And then six months later, it's essentially out of business. So we tend to not, we're not the first to dip our toe in the water on some of these newer ones, but when we see something that's lasting, something that's been popular for a long time, we're like, okay, how can we contribute content to that platform or um, how can we use that platform in a way to point more people towards our, our websites? So, um, and social media is not going anywhere as much as some of us might want it to go away for the most part, but no, it's, it's important. And it's so many people have now been using it for over a decade. that it's part of the way we communicate. So if we need to be on a social media platform, um, we'll be there. So I, I, I appreciate what you said about it just because the social media platforms change so much, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to be on the bleeding edge, yeah. um, but you try to be on the leading edge. Yes. I, I know one of the uh, tips or one of the principles that, that I've used when I was working inside of a ministry and I share with the, the ministries we work with now is the 10% principle. 
So when 10% of your audience, if it's approaching 10% of your audience is using that platform, that technology, whatever it is, then you should be adding it to, to, to your repertoire. And the flip side of it, if, if a technology is declining, so less than 10% is using it, you, you shouldn't have to worry about supporting it. You know, this was really, I developed that around when, when you had to design every site based on the different browsers that are coming out, you know, mm-hmm. way, way back in the day. And uh, um, what are other things that you use to help keep got questions on the leading edge, but not necessarily on the bleeding edge? Uh, you know, it, it helps just to have a, a large volunteer team when mm-hmm. there's enough people out there who are like, several of them say, hey, um, have you guys checked out this? Or is there any way that got questions can use TikTok? I'm like, um, I see really short videos that most people are, that for the most part involve people doing funny stuff. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's the great fit, but hey, let's try that for our team site. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having other people keeping us informed, but I, I can't keep my finger on the pulse of all the the new popular things that are out there, but you just hear of them, you start to see them, or you even see other sites doing them. Um, and just look at, okay, is there a way that we can leverage that as well? But no, I mean, we can't, there's so many opportunities, so many things we could be doing. And um, at one point we were on um, Tumblr and then it, that really just declined as a, a platform and a lot of unsavory characters to say the least, are now using Tumblr for things we don't want to be in any way connected with. So the stuff like that, just recognizing, okay, where are people going where they might be searching for content and how can we be there? Um, but yeah, it's really, most of the time, it's like when you hear like the 10th or 15th or 20th person say, hey, have you looked into this? Like, maybe we should look into that. So I think it's helpful that trusting that God will reveal to us when we need to be investing in a certain um, new venture, so to speak. Well, I, again, learning to listen to your audience. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that's how the ministry was founded. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't start with a, answering, having a lot of questions on the website. You started with answering questions that people wrote in. Mm-hmm. And you saw, you observed that people were ask, asking the same one lots of times. So you pivoted and you put those on the website. And so... <laughs> never losing that heart of listening with a, with a humble heart because listening to folks really does, it takes humility to say, okay, yeah, we're not there. You don't have to defend it, but you need to consider it. Well, why not? Why aren't we there? Maybe we should be, maybe we shouldn't be. And uh, yeah. So, so I, I love what you said. It's really about listening, not just to your audience, but also to your team and uh, your volunteers uh, and internal. Absolutely. Well. And um, having some younger people, um, or kind of consultants in a sense, like, Hey, um, yeah. what do you, what do you think of this? Or is this something got questions should do? And I, uh, probably not worth your time. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How do you approach, uh, I'll use the term experiments or testing or, or, um, trying things new that may or may not work. And then uh, have you ever been in a situation where you've tried something that didn't work? So you've discontinued it. So talk to me about your experimentation or testing process. No, it's so we mentioned earlier some of our smaller sites. So sometimes our smaller sites will be sort of like the guinea pig okay. for something. It's like, huh, I wonder if doing it this way instead of this way would work. So we try it there. So when it's still a risk, I mean, don't want to lose any audience, but it's one thing if you lose 
a thousand visitors a day as comparison to losing a hundred thousand visitors a day. So mm -hmm. doing it's like experimenting on um, other sites. And then even before we launched like a major change on got questions, we're tested on every possible web browser and have multiple people testing out, does this work? Does this work on mm -hmm. this phone, this device, this tablet? I mean, turn it this way, turn it this way and try it every possible way. Can we break it? Um, mm -hmm. So thorough testing, because, you know, like, this is kind of a funny story with the most recent design that 5Q did for us. Um, the designers just can't, okay, Shay, I have to tell you that this new design is not going to work on Internet Explorer. And I was like, mm -hmm. huh. So I went and looked in our logs and um, approximately 0.1% of our traffic is still using Internet Explorer. So we're not talking about Edge, we're not talking about the new Microsoft browser, but the yeah. old one that was supposed to be yeah. discontinued, I don't know, a decade ago, but there's still some people who are using it. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that look like? So even 0.1%, it's funny this is, it's like um, 40,000 people a year. Okay, well, how, okay, you say it doesn't work, what is it gonna look like? And so I, I found out, what do you know? I still have Wind Internet Explorer installed on um, one of my computers. So I tested it, I was like, well, okay, it doesn't look great, but the content's still there and still readable. I'm not going to sacrifice what is otherwise a beautiful, functional, rapid, fast design for 0.1% of our audience. So at some point, kind of like you said earlier, you can't impact a huge amount of people when it's only impacting a small number. So just kind of being discerning about that and deciding, okay, this is a direction we need to go. Are we willing to sacrifice 0.1% for the 99.9%? Yeah, that generalize the 80-20 principle. You know, yeah. fo focusing and making sure that mm -hmm. things are serving the 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 eighty percent and and knowing in each person's context where to draw that line. Whether yeah. for you it's a 0.1 percent, for another ministry it might be ten, another yeah. might be twenty, and yeah. uh, just just uh, living with wisdom in your context of knowing where to draw those lines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but Shay, this has been really really good, especially hearing from somebody like yourself that has. You know, God's allowed to do so well in the SEO front and seeing some of those changes coming down and how you've been proactive in changing some of those. I, I know our audience will, will, will have gained a lot from, uh, from hearing your experience over the years. Um, I do want to ask, what is one um, book or blog or, or something that you've been impacted by recently that you can share with our audience? So... This is such a hot topic in the culture right now, whether it's the systemic racism, um, critical race theory, you hear about it all in the news, and I don't, I don't even under, still don't understand it, but the recent book, Fault Lines by hmm. Vodi Bakum, um, just does a fantastic job at both explaining it, explaining its origins, explaining how it's impacting our culture, but then also giving the biblical alternative. Like th this is not the fix for the evils of racism that is out there. Instead, um, here's what the Bible has to say. So I really appreciate the perspective and it was very, it was eye-opening and informative. So mm -hmm. help me to really understand the issues. And um, I don't have as much time for reading as I'd like to, but occasionally when something like this, like I, this is one I need to read. And I, I really, really enjoy it. Again, it's the fault lines by um, Vodi Bakum. 
Great. And we'll have a link to that in our, in our show notes. And I, I just saw a video the other day where Vodi Bakken was talking about the, the concept of social justice and, mm-hmm. and shared his, his perspective, his view on that. And it was a different view that I hadn't heard of before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so, yeah, I appreciate so much of what, uh, what Vodi does. Mm-hmm. So, so Shay, if people have questions, uh, not just about the Bible, but about other things, uh, how can they best contact you? So yeah, if people if people have got questions, um, um, my email address is the Shea, my first name S A G A at gotquestions.org. And to your digital ministry listeners out there, I mean, um, we really believe in we want a wall of truth on the internet. We want Got Questions generally does really really well in the search engine results. Some of our other sites do as well for different types of search terms. But if you're looking for a little SEO guidance. Um, mm. It's something we would love to help you with. If you're out there trying to speak the truth in love, trying to teach God's word online, we'd love to just basic consulting. Here's some things you could do that might help you more with SEO. Um, Cause it's, like I said, if we have the number one spot, but if the other nine results on page one of Google are all from bad sites, eh, that's really, really not good. Um, so yeah. we love to help love to, um, guide. And again, 5Q has some guys who are really good at SEO as well. So if you're looking for a little more advanced, I would endorse them. And no, Chad did not pay me or ask me to say that, but um, they've, they've, they've helped us a lot over the years as well. Well, that's very kind of you. Very kind of you. And I, I have always appreciated your generosity and your willingness to share the things that you've learned over the years. And and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a fantastic offer for, for folks to, to reach out to Shay. Again, his email will be in the show notes. So uh, you can connect with him, ask any questions and uh, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. Been super insightful. Thanks, Shay. Thanks, Chad. It's great to be on the show. We just heard Shay share some of the guiding principles around optimizing your website for better Google rankings. Google also has a program that provides $10,000 in free advertising to nonprofit organizations. To learn how your ministry can benefit, just download our free Google Ads Grant Guide. Go to 5q.com slash ads grant. That's F-I-V-E-Q dot com slash A-D-S-G-R-A-N-T. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and a positive comment on Apple podcast platform. That will help us help more ministries multiply their digital impact.